Hello, my friends, it's Patrick McGuire with Empowered Podcast. We have something very exciting to share today. We have something that is top of mind for Canadians in many countries and citizens absolutely around the world. You know, oddly enough, the most compliant country in the world, Canada, has now become the leader in informed, evidence-backed, passive resistance for freedom of choice and charter of rights. The crazy thing is, it took a bunch of truckers to provide the courage for all of us to speak out. With me on the podcast today are two very, very informed, I would say mainstream general practitioning physicians and informed Canadians, just like you and I. Probably more informed, they're gonna help us with that. They're here to help openly discuss the evidence-based medicine, what it means and how mandates and restrictions are having an impact on our children and all of society locally and hey, globally, let's be honest. To Empowered Podcast with Patrick McGuire, as he has empowered conversations with great people, doing great things, and helping others. Join us at empoweredpodcast.ca. Hello, my friends, it's Patrick McGuire with Empowered Podcast. We have something very exciting to share today. We have something that is top of mind for Canadians in many countries and citizens absolutely around the world. You know, oddly enough, the most compliant country in the world, Canada, has now become the leader in informed, evidence-backed, passive resistance for freedom of choice and charter of rights. The crazy thing is, it took a bunch of truckers to provide the courage for all of us to speak out. With me on the podcast today are two very, very informed, I would say mainstream, general practitioning physicians and informed Canadians, just like you and I. Probably more informed, they're gonna help us with that. They're here to help openly discuss the evidence-based medicine, what it means and how mandates and restrictions are having an impact on our children and all of society locally and, hey, globally, let's be honest. They're here to provide information that will help us to make informed decisions and the freedom of choice. We're going to try and cover all of this in 60 minutes or less. But uh, as always, if the conversation flows, we let it roll. Just like the Canadian truckers, that Freedom Convoy that's going on. I'm sure that'll come up in our conversation. And, um, you know, Dennis, I'll I'll quickly state right now, Dennis and and Rick, sorry, you'll hear me call these guys different names because I know them in different levels. But guys, I was out there and I'm still not warmed up from yesterday on the bridges. All right. So I'm your host, Patrick McGuire. Empowered podcast and live stream. It's the weekly show where we have empowered conversations with great people doing great things to help others. And before we begin this podcast, I want to make it clear. Empowered podcast does not take a political or financial position in sharing this episode or the information that's provided for you, the audience. It's to make you get a better or more informed choice. The views and the opinions, they're of our guests and of mine, my own as well, of course. But we're going to be talking about the informed choices to make decisions about your health, freedoms, and your rights. This is a live stream. So that means that it's unedited, it's raw, and empowered conversations as they happen. Let me take a moment to introduce who I've got on the call today. And we've kept them back uh, in the dark screen here. We're going to hear their voices because they're coming to, to us from a studio, of course, or their office, I should say. And, you know, we don't want to make them visually popular, famous. We want their opinions and their knowledge put out. So first of all, I'm going to introduce these two wonderful gentlemen, doctors in their own rights, physicians, practitioners, who are doing great things and making difference in Canadian, uh, I would say medical history and taking care of people, which is really what they signed up for when they uh, decided to become doctors. So Dr. Dennis D. Valentino is a family physician in Hamilton, Ontario. In 2017, he received a Jewel Innovation Grant for his social innovation, RamCare, to help provide care to marginalized individuals using mobile telemedical units. And Dr. Richard Titus is an associate clinical professor in the Department of Family Medicine at McMaster University and co-founder of virtual medicine solution, Banty. It's pretty cool, I've checked it out. He is currently on the National Virtual Medicine Task Force for clinical practice guidelines. Gentlemen, I rambled a lot, a very big, big, big and empowered thank you for joining us today. How you doing? We're doing good, Pat. Thanks for having us. 
And, and in full disclosure, we have opted to do this by audio out of concern that video can kill the radio star. <laughs> and that is why we made that call. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And uh, this is a great opportunity. And just before we start out, we want to make something clear that, that uh, we are pro-vaccine but more importantly, we're pro-choice. Excellent. Love that. We all got to have freedom of choice. We are Canadians. And I think that's what we were based on when they founded the darn country. So let's let's make sure we all stay respectful for everybody, everybody's choices, uh, vaccines, treatments, health, charter of rights, everything that's going on. I'm sure it'll all get intertwined somehow here because it's a very big topic right now. It's... Um, it's just something that we have to cover and more people have to respect each other, of course. So thanks a lot, uh, Rick, for calling that out. And in full disclosure, uh, myself as Patrick McGuire, the host, but uh, I will say this, I'm honored to not only call Dr. D. Valentino doctor, but Dennis or Devo, as you might hear me refer to him as, he's one of my friends. We've known each other since high school, growing up in Burlington, Ontario here, inside Canada. We've been here for a long time, folks. And nearly uh, 25 years later, we got reconnected thanks to another good friend of ours. So guys, digging into this, I know I just read the corporate bylines from LinkedIn and your physician's reference info for both of you, but can you tell us what you really do, your credentials and your purpose? Can you dive into that for the audience? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first, Pat, because we've decided to do beauty before age today. <laughs> and and also the second reason is I feel that my credentials will be underwhelming if they follow Dr. Titus's. Gotcha. And so uh, I'll give you a little background about myself. I'm a family practitioner. That's what I do most of the time. And I also do some work in the chronic pain space and addiction space particularly opioid addiction. Okay. And I'm assistant clinical professor at McMaster University in the Department of Family Medicine and have held a lot of different roles in the medical political space in Ontario uh, with the OMA, uh, with the family health team, and also was a past president or am a past president of the Hamilton Academy of Medicine. And I think we're going through that because it's important for our listeners to understand that we believe that we are coming from the mainstream and we're coming with a balanced discussion that is in keeping with the, you know, the requirements and the expectations of physicians working in those positions. And so I think it was important to give you a little bit of background about who we are and, and what we do. And so I'll pass it over to Dr. Titus now to do the same. Yeah, I think it's also important to add, Dennis, is that you've got a six-year-old and uh, a relatively newborn. Yeah, we're at five and a half months now. And, and beautiful, <laughs> I got to add that, Dennis. Yes, it's and she's beautiful and she looks just like my wife, so that's why that occurred. It's a good thing. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and she's doing great. And we actually had our first words the other day, and we got them on camera, oh. as a matter of fact. And it was Dr. Titus. And it was Dr. <laughs> Titus of all words. Yeah. I love it. It was in fact Go Dada, Ooh. and we have it on video. And so I think we have the very early makings of Daddy's Little Girl here. And so we're awesome. just having a blast. And uh, and it's just, it's been great so far. And And... Of course, Dr. Titus has two wonderful grandchildren, and that is part of the impetus behind some of the speaking we're doing when it comes to let kids be kids. Excellent. Yeah. So, so let me. Uh, so, myself, I think my, I think what's most important is, is that I'm a parent. Uh, I've got grandkids. I've got a, a six-year-old, and then I've got a soon-to-be four-year-old on February the 6th, and she's never had a birthday party yet oh. because of all this COVID. So academically, I'm an associate professor at McMaster University. Uh, I, I have a practice downtown Hamilton, and the reason it's important to state it's downtown Hamilton because of the socioeconomics. Mm -hmm. So socioeconomic impact of COVID, of virtual learning, has had an 
and extreme impact on depending upon where you live whether you have one computer to share among three kids or you have three computers. Right. So these are some of the issues that we have to discuss and That's we right. have to acknowledge moving forward. So my, also the area of interest, we've been doing virtual medicine for the last 10 years with the, uh, with the COVID that's totally exploded. Um, also one of the areas interest is metabolic disease. So I actually, with Dennis, wrote the chapter in the obesity guidelines, and that's talking about virtual medicine and the emerging technologies in the management of chronic disease. Wow. So, you know, we, we're interested in what's happening in our community, in Ontario, and across the country. And that's why we did that podcast, podcast Let Kids Be Kids, on that YouTube video there. Yes. Yeah, and that one's picked up a lot of traffic too. I mean, I watched it and um, it's just continuously going. I mean, we all are parents and we all care about kids. And, you know, sometimes people say kids are the tool they're going to use to force something on us. Meanwhile, we as parents want to do the best for our kids. But at the same time, we've got to figure out what's best for our kids. And that's why I think it's great to have these conversations. Yeah, I think that's why we went forward with the event. And we're having a good time telling ourselves that, you know, 16,000 people tuned in to see us. But <laughs> I think the reality is that they were there for Dr. Fulford, who has been a consistent voice in favor of solid evidence-based medicine yeah. when it comes to our kids. And she's been looking at it from a very comprehensive perspective. And so the key behind that um, presentation was the strong evidence that Dr. Fulford has put mm -hmm. together. And so we're going to say thanks again for her willingness to join us. Yeah. Very yeah, smart lady. Great evidence. Great way to present it too. I, I loved some of the visuals and, you know, the charts make it simple for me. I'm a visual guy. I get the numbers, but when you show it to me and then I look at the numbers, it hits home. So quite amazing. And it was pretty honest information too. So I really like that. Yeah, so one of the reasons that we started the campaign, Let Kids Be Kids, is is it came out of the concern. And one of and and a a good way to illustrate this is I had an eight-year-old girl come to see me, and an eight-year-old girl was complaining about anxiety, and she described that she was suffering from anxiety. Now, Patty, can you remember can you imagine being back in when you were eight, did you know what anxiety was? Rick, there's no way. I mean, I'm going to be truthful. About two years ago, I just finally had my own personal anxiety issue. Before that, nothing. This is eight years old. Yeah. And it's complaining of anxiety. This Awful. is well younger than what we are used to hearing. Uh, and so that one, I think hearing things from kids in this age category in describing it so articulately has really opened our eyes to the fact that there may be a bigger problem with our kids' mental health occurring here. We got to take so, care of them. Yeah, we had, Amen. yeah, we had pediatric psychiatrist, Krista Boylan on and, and one of the issues she identified is that after COVID, we're still going to be, we're still going to have a lot of issues. There's going to be a lot of psychological, mental, educational issues. So these, we have to be aware of that and, and, and try to modify maybe our approach moving forward. I think that Dr. Boylan drove that point home was that when the COVID pandemic ends, so to speak, and we don't think COVID will end, but pandemic life will, mm -hmm. We will move into the post-pandemic phase, which we are concerned is a mental health tsunami that our system is not prepared to handle. And so we're very, very much um, in favor of earlier intervention at this point to put our kids back on the right track, because how big of a post-pandemic issue we have will be determined by how well and how quickly we act in favor of our kids. Okay. Excellent. And uh, just bringing it up uh, for audio quality at once in a while, can I get you guys to bring it in a little closer to the mic when you do speak to make sure that everybody hears exactly what you're saying? Um, just getting feedback out there that we want to yeah. hear this message and not lose it because it's powerful. Well, the reason that the, my audio is going 
is because Dennis keeps pushing me away because he wants Mike <laughs> He wants the limelight. He's the uh, the video star that's taking over, right? Um, there you go. So listen, I know that you guys have been really busy in many different evidence-based discussions and engagements from research to informed sessions and more. Can you help us understand what led you to that and where you are today? Yeah. So we decided, as we said, that the time to move forward was now. And I think we just outlined why it's concern for our kids. Mm -hmm. But also what we're seeing is that, you know, we have the public involved in a detailed scientific discussion. And actually, as doctors, we're really glad to see that level of public interest because it allows us to to move forward with strong education of the public. And that comes from the engagement that we're seeing. But we think it's important for folks to interpret the messages that they're hearing in the context of how science works. Right. And we're not sure that that message, how we practice science has gotten through to the public. And so we wanted to maybe start out by talking about that for a minute. Absolutely. If you could explain the current understanding of science and medical science, if you will, I know it's hard for us to capture it because we're just average people, but you know, are the medical questions we're asking validating what you guys are delivering and, and what about the quality of those questions? How do you come up with this medical science and how do the rest of us figure it out? Yeah, that's what we want to talk about. And of course, we, we, we are not, um, there's no judgment for being an average person. Dr. Titus is quite an average person as well. And so, you know, there's no judgment coming from over here. <laughs> but I think we could do this without being too technical. Okay. I think science really just has three steps that are involved. Okay. In science, we form questions and the questions need to be well-defined. Then we take a guess at what the answer may be. We call that a hypothesis. And then we have a crack at getting or obtaining the answer, and that's the experiment. And with that new information, we then go and repeat the process. Nice. Included in that is always a lot of debate. And that's how we move forward. And, and it's a matter of it's dynamic. It changes from, from minute to minute, hour to hour, and also, it's, it's up to interpretation because the question always comes back is, well, why is it different in England? Why is it different in Europe? Why is it different in Israel? Well, again, it's the way we interpret the science. It's the same science, but it's the way it's being interpreted. Okay. And so I th we think it's important for folks to understand that you know, as we really get moving forward and, and, and start moving into the post-pandemic phase, there are some debates about how to handle medical care. And this should be understood that as you hear these debates occurring, this is scientists and physicians trying to make their interpretation of the answers that we have in front of us. Okay. Interesting. I love it. The, the three sort of points that you put out there on, on simplifying how we do med medical evidence science. Now, Dennis, we've talked in the past and you've mentioned to me, and I always forget what they are, so I'll not try and butcher it, but you mentioned the six G's and I do remember a couple of them, but I'm going to just ask you to help our audience understand what are the six G's? And honestly, I found them quite easy to understand. Yeah, the six G's are something that we put together to help understand that COVID needs to be looked at from a holistic perspective. And that there's lots going on here in terms of what the medical path and the public path through the pandemic is. And so we wanted people to think of this from a more holistic perspective. So we did the six G's. And the six G's describe really what we are dealing with when we're dealing with a pandemic such as COVID. And those six G's are get, meaning you can get COVID. Okay. Give you can give COVID to somebody else, Right. get sick, get real sick, go to the hospital, and the one in medicine that we are trying to avoid at all costs, go to heaven. And of, of course, right. this is the worst outcome in medicine, death. And so what we have when we look at these six Gs is it, it be, starts to give the understanding 
that not only do we need to reduce death in severe disease and hospitalization, but we also need to focus on the transmission side of things as in, in terms of our broader management. That's where get and give come in. Okay. And so we need to understand that when we're looking at our pandemic response, we have to interpret our interventions in light of what they can do in terms of these six G's. Yeah, no, agreed. And in, it applies differently to different demographics. So what applies to our vulnerable seniors, did, should we use that same yardstick at to the children going to school? Do the children's need to socially isolate? Do the children's need to wear masks? Should they be restricted in extracurricular activities? Right. Absolutely. And so I think when we're, if we jump right into the pediatric restrictions, that was an attempt at stifling or limiting the get-give. Things like masks and social distancing were targeted at that. Okay. And then we introduced a vaccine. And as Dr. Titus said, we are big proponents of both the vaccine program and vaccination in general. But we also need to consider when we're applying this intervention that it didn't do much, it seems, for get give. Mm-hmm. Whereas we thought it might. Especially with the latest Omicron strain. Exactly. And the key when we're speaking here is we are big believers in scientific debate. We're not politicians. We're not here to lay blame. We're here to have discussions about the information we have today. And today the information seems to suggest to us that it's not helping with the get give very much. It is helping in certain groups with the get sick and go to hospital in reducing death as well. And we're thankful for that. But we also believe that we need to look at this, these things holistically for the purpose of moving forward as a society. For sure. And so while bringing back to the pediatric restrictions, things like masks, social distancing, closing schools, is this helping us with the get give? Is this reducing the get real sick and the go to hospital? It doesn't appear that schools are amplifiers. It doesn't appear that masking in children is reducing infection transmission. And so we have to discuss what it is we are gaining by applying these negative restrictions to our children in terms of this holistic understanding of the pandemic. And 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 I'm, I'm fearful of what we're losing by doing this to our kids, right? We're losing some of their energy, some of their passion, some of their love, some of their joy, and maybe some mental issues. Like you mentioned, the eight-year-old girl that came in your clinic, Dr. Rick, that uh, had the anxiety. I mean, we're losing something for gaining almost nothing with some of the situations that are going on. Well, that, that brings us back to the really the central premise of how we practice medicine, which is risk against benefit. And when we say do no harm, we mean do no net harm. You have to act in scenarios where risk is greater than benefit or benefit is greater than risk. Excuse me. And that is our job as physicians. And so, you know, as the father of a six year old child, almost seven, who's going to school, if a mask I thought would reduce his risk of a negative outcome, he'd be wearing every mask I could find. (laughs) But now I'm seeing that we're not getting the evidence that the mask is, in fact, making him safer from an infectious disease standpoint. And so now I'm concerned about his inability to see facial expression in a learning environment. As an example, when I compare it to no benefit, I'm starting to get concerned. And these are the discussions that we want to have on behalf of our kids. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a sideways tangent here because it is a it's a real Uh, a social test, if you will. A very good friend of mine who I spent a lot of time with, and obviously won't use any names or anything like that, but they ran a social test with their own family and they took their kids to a store that they knew was open to, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't, right? And it's a big store. It's a really big brand name. I'm not going to say it, of course. Uh, Don't want to get anyone in trouble, but they went in and dad's like, take your masks off. We're going in. We're just going to get a few items and we're out. 
And the kids went into panic mode. Both of them, the older boy and the younger girl went into panic mode and they're just like, no, no, we got to put them on. He's like, take them off, give them to me. We're just going in and going out. This is normal. It's okay. This store will let you choose to do what you want to do. And they were really, they went through anxiety. He could see it in their eyes. So it's, it's challenging. And, um, you know, we got to get back to freedom. Yeah. This is part of our concern is that I think we do not want to lose sight of the need to keep our children safe on all fronts. Yes. We do not want to lose sight of the fact that some kids may have medical conditions that others don't. And so, you know, doing things to keep them very safe from an infectious disease standpoint makes sense. But we're a little concerned with the fact that we're developing a fear-based approach among our children Mm -hmm. in a general sense. And we'd like to move forward with the message to our kids based on what we can see from the evidence, you are safe. You are safe, kids. And you're safe to return to your lives. And I think that we want kids to hear that message. That's a great message. It's okay to be a kid. That's kind of what it is. Let kids be kids. You guys said it first. You said it right. And that's what we got to get back to somehow. Um, We're just big kids ourselves. So in essence, it's a little self-serving, eh? Well, we We can say that because we know each other well. And yeah, we are just big kids. (laughs) We birthday parties too, Pat. (laughs) Uh, Don't remind me. Mine's coming up in a couple of, well, about two months, but uh, I'm a little older than some. Um, Dr. Titus cannot get his 15% seniors discount (laughs) until we celebrate birthdays again. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, that being said, I mean, I'm just going to take us back just a little bit. And that is, you know, why was vaccines considered or referred to as the silver bullet? and, And is that still the case today? Uh, yeah, so so I think you have to take a look at vaccines and when it comes to vulnerable populations. Okay. So when you're looking at a vulnerable population, you're looking at seniors uh, and, you're, and you're looking at people with comorbidities. So people mm. with heart disease, diabetes, are vaccines, you know, we certainly, we're strong proponents of vaccines. I've been, you know, I've been a number of times going to nursing homes and giving the vaccinations because these are a high need, uh, high potential complication. These are the people that end up in the hospital, end up in the ICU, and vaccines are so important for this particular group. We've been doing vaccine work for a long time. In fact, I remember being a student uh, with you all those years ago, and this was during H1N1, and I don't even remember how many vaccines we gave in this office, but we yes. did a lot, and we did it quickly, and uh, and because it, it was most definitely the thing that needed to be done. So we're all in favor mm-hmm. of vaccination. We're encouraged by the high degree of protection against hospitalization, especially in the high-risk groups that we've achieved. But becoming concerned that there is a lack of choice for use of the vaccine, particularly in our children. We do not want to see mandates in that 5 to 11 group. We just don't think that they're scientifically justified at this time. And we are aware that there are a great many benefits to this vaccine. We just don't think it's the sole thing that will bring us through this pandemic. We need a more holistic approach. Yeah. Yeah, And I guess we're also concerned the untoward effect. So our, the, what we've, you know, our recommendation is all parents consider vaccinations for their children, but the ultimate choice, it's their choice. Choice. Yeah. Choice. And if whatever the choice is, the, the child should not be ostracized afterwards. So, so when it comes to extracurricular activities, and hopefully one day our kids will be able to go swimming, play hockey, uh, ballet, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, all children should be able to participate without restriction. Agreed. That is very important, we think. And... There has been some differential treatment of children based on their vaccination status. And that's something that we hope will end soon. 
Absolutely agreed. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm on board with what you guys are saying. I mean, I get it. Um, it's not that you're anti-vax or pro-vax. It's not that I am or one way or the other, but the reality is, you know, I joke with some people and Dennis, you know, this, um, I've, I'm ex-military, uh, and I've traveled, done mission trips to Burkina Faso. So I've probably got more various vaccines in my body than most of Canada. Uh, but I get to choose which ones, you know, within reason that I should or shouldn't take. And, you know, it's, it's good, but getting back to more, more or less, just getting back to not just kids, but everybody having the choice to be able to go out and grab a burger or a coffee and not feel awkward about it. And kids just to hang out and be kids, let kids be kids. I mean, seriously, that's a perfect uh, phrase there. So I totally agree. And again, we're going to, I think, start repeating ourselves, but it's important to do so. Choice is the number one thing we're discussing here. Choice, choice, choice. And to be clear, I think we're both okay with disclosing this. We are both vaccinated against COVID-19. And so this is not a message that we stand against the vaccine, having both used it but we are concerned with the lack of choice that's occurring and the fact that we just don't think the threshold for removing that choice is met per se. Gotcha. That might lead to why this conversation, why now, why the Empowered Podcast and live stream and, you know, what motivated you guys to uh, request this opportunity, not just this one, but other ones to speak openly and, and freely and, um, you know, what's happening that's made you guys decide that it's time to really share the message? So we, on one hand, as physicians, we want to make sure that we are sharing opinions that are consistent with our medical expertise. And we do want to say that we are very, very mindfully avoiding making personal commentaries because we just don't think we have more right to the microphone than any other Canadian. And right. I share my personal views in the appropriate avenues. So we do want to stick to our medical opinions and we do want to avoid having a political discussion because it's just not our job. But I will say that it is somewhat encouraging to see that there are folks in this country standing up for what they believe is right. Right. And seeing that, and this is a very important message that we have, whether you agree or disagree with what the Freedom Convoy is doing, I think all of us as Canadians must agree that they absolutely have the right to do it. As yes. long as it remains peaceful and respectful, which is what we stand for in this country, I'm encouraged by people exercising their rights to free speech. And I think that's one of the things that caused us to say, I think we should do this podcast is that it is important for people to be able to speak freely in this country. And it is important and sometimes even more important for somebody you don't agree with to be able to speak freely. That is the underpinning of our society. Now, I do want to say that I believe in the right to choice. And if this Freedom Convoy is standing for the right to choice in this country, then we support peaceful demonstration in that regard. I Absolutely. hope it remains peaceful. It seems to have done that all the way through from BC. Hope it continues to be that way. But we do think that the fundamental underpinning of what it seems this Freedom Convoy stands for, which is choice, is something that's important mm -hmm. and needs to be restored, particularly to medicine. And, and I like that it took a bunch of truckers to hop in their trucks and do nothing more than drive to wake us all up. And in fact, I know we talked about it off record just casually, but it's given us the courage um, in various different professions to actually speak up, speak out with reference to, you know, medical evidence, fact-based science, things like that, and also maybe open up some personal opinions, but again, peacefully, honestly, educated wise, um, 
but I mean, courage is contagious and all they had to do is get in a truck and start driving. And so far, I like that message that they're purveying. We want choice for everybody. I saw some trucks the other day that said freedom for choice. You know, that's important stuff. And, um, we got to keep focused on that. So I think it rings true for the medical community that they now are, some people are stepping up and saying, Hey, here's some choices and here's some information, which is what you guys are doing today. Yeah, and, and I think also as we learn more regarding COVID, uh, the, the impact on different populations, different demographics, and we realize it's time to pivot. Mm. And, and that's what we're sort of, that's, that's our message. Our message is we're looking at, especially when it comes to children, we're, we're, we're concerned about be beyond just this virus. Maybe it's time to accept this virus and, and it's a risk of, of being. And we have to move on with our lives because of the complications, the negative implications of this virus. And uh, Dennis was mentioning that, that he does mental health and, and he does addiction and, and in his practice. And I'm sure he could comment about the, the increase that he's noticed in his practice. Yeah, I think that this is what we're encouraged about, that discussions are occurring again. And this, I think, is why we came together today to celebrate the fact that in Canada, we can discuss openly. Mm-hmm. And go back to what Dr. Titus had just commented on. Yes, we're seeing very concerning things on the mental health and particularly the addiction side where, you know, opioid addiction and overdose deaths are simply through the roof in a way that I've not seen in my 10 years of practice. And so again, I reiterate that we need open discussion, which is why we're so encouraged that things are happening in this country to promote it because we'd like to advocate on behalf Mm -hmm. of all of these things that we see to have not been able to consider in the last couple of years for other reasons. Yeah. So I think it's time to start talking about these things again, you know, overdose deaths, mental health in adolescence, suicides. These are extremely tragic things that we need to start discussing. Yeah. And actually and so the timing in- is good too, Dennis, um, because we're talking about currently, I mean, yes, it's a corporate movement, but Bell, let's talk. I mean, it's about mental health from, you know, the top of the business world to elite athletes, right down to moms, dads, and kids, they're making that awareness. Like, let's talk. So everybody's aware of this situation. And it's it seems to be getting bigger, unfortunately, with the, the current restrictions and, and things like that. So it's getting bigger. The problem that I have personally is that it appears to be going downstream to the larger audience, which is our children. And we really shouldn't have that happening. And the fact that you're seeing more of, you know, from teens to adults with drug and other addictions, oftentimes it is uh, often a mental um, challenge that causes people to go that direction. So I, I really want to make sure that we we do talk about it openly and freely like we should be able to do in Canada. Yeah. So you mentioned Bell Let's Talk. I think that's one of the best corporate initiatives I've seen as a physician because I would only really be gauging things that affect our delivery of health care or things that positively affect our patients like this initiative. Yeah. And we're not endorsing it by any means. We just think that it's a good thing that no. everybody starts to talk. No, nobody from Bell is paying me. In <laughs> fact, charge me every month a lot of money. Yeah. And, and that's not where we're coming from, but we are speaking to importance of awareness of mental health yeah. issues. In that we believe as we stand here today, it's never been more important. And who among us is immune from this? I don't think anyone. Nobody. And so it's an important discussion to have, but it is most important for our children who are in development mode. This is going to be a long-term challenge for them if we cannot get things back on track as quickly as Mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. And bottom line is it's all about the kids, right? I mean, they are the futures of this country. Yeah. So they're the foundation that will become the future. And we got to take care of our foundation today. And if we're looking at the children, we're ecstatic that they've gone back to school. That's a great step. And we're grateful. Yeah. We commend. I got to say it. I'm so excited. Sorry to cut you off, Rick, but 
my boy's getting back on the ice with his teammates on Monday. So we're fired up about that. And there's so many parents, especially, you know, how hockey crazy Canada is and hockey parents, they're special. Me included. Now, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, does he need to be vaccinated to get back on the ice? I'm going to plead the fifth and pretend I'm American on that comment, if it's okay with you. <laughs> um, there is the combination and confusion right now. The confusion is that depending on where you are, what organization you play with, which arenas you play in, that you may or may not have to be vaccinated or provide a medical exemption. And the confusion now lies at those various locations that I just mentioned off. They may or may not be using, you know, the new government app, or they may be taking papers and ID. So there's a real unknown, Rick. And that's where the challenge may lie for some people that I know are playing hockey that are not vaccinated or those that may have been not vaccinated, but, but have medical exemptions and faith-based exemptions, which are no longer recognized in most hockey uh, or other sports and even business world. So, um, yeah, we're a little confused about all these pe people because some kids have said, hey, coach, and I am an assistant coach, although I try not to be anymore, but uh, it happens. Um, they're like, hey, coach, like, what do I do on Monday? And I don't have an answer that's clear. So we're looking for those answers. And my manager's working really, really hard on that. Yeah, this is one of the things that I think we're speaking very strongly about. We need some uniformity yes. um, with this approach, particularly in the extracurricular space. We do not want conveners of hockey leagues making these decisions. And I believe conveners of hockey leagues don't want to make these decisions. They want to volunteer their time yeah. to the benefit of our children like they've always done. Yeah, we're just talking and, hockey for the obvious reason that uh, I'm a very passionate hockey coach and my kids are aggressive, uh, passionate hockey player, but it's all sports. So it's all they don't want to make those decisions, but they are kind of being forced to do it. And they're not doctors and they're not sure of what the outcomes might be or how this will infect uh, and impact the mental health of some of these athletes down the road. They think they're in a spot that they do not wish to be in. And they've ended up here because of the sin of volunteering to help our kids. So <laughs> I think we need to help them out a little bit with some uniformity in how this is going to be done so that they can get back to doing the work that they're due so that our kids can have these great experiences. So they are great volunteers, aren't they? And they work hard and we just want yes. them to be the best volunteer they can and take care of our kids. So I agree with you. Right. And it's time consuming. I used to be a hockey coach myself. It's very time consuming and you certainly do not do it for the glory. You do it for the kids. <laughs> And so I'd like to see those folks get out of the spot they're in, get back to doing what they wish to do for our kids. Yeah, so but Dennis, I'm not going to argue about the, the the coffee cards and the donut cards I get at Christmas. I mean, come on, let's let's be honest. That's all I do coaching for. <laughs> well, you're more well paid than I was, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. But, yeah, that is the message that we have. You know, we need to be very clear about the current safety risks, which we don't think should prohibit a return to full extracurriculars. And we need to give clear guidance to right. those running these things on behalf of our kids. And from us, we're saying thank you to these folks. And we hope that we can give you some more clear guidance. Keep doing this work. Yeah, absolutely love it. I mean, kids health, kids sports is part of kids mental health. And I'm a big fan of it. It's also the place that I will honestly um, say, yeah, I had fun in school, but the place that I learned the most that has turned me into the business person I am that, uh, and I do say, and a friend actually, she's going to be on the podcast, uh, in a few weeks, actually, Stephanie Rudnick actually quoted this one. And I love this one. Entrepreneurs are the athletes of the business world. And I believe it because everything I did in hockey and also the military, don't get me wrong, and also world traveling. Those are the three things that I would say absolutely impacted my life of all of them. Sports, all sports that I played, that made the difference. I learned how to work with people. I learned how to hang out. I learned how to suffer and lose. I learned how to win too. And um, some of our kids just aren't experiencing that right now. And especially with the on, off, start, stop, start, stop, stop <laughs> stuff that's going on in sports. Yeah. They're not learning those things. And uh, that's social life. 
So I watched you play sports, Pat. I don't remember much winning. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Thank you. Thank you. I'm done. Check. You're welcome. Yeah. But I do think that that's important. Of course, we see school as the most critical thing that we need to avoid disruptions to yeah. school. Not just with attendance, but with the delivery once the kids are in school. But also you've brought up an important point. Extracurriculars are some of the things that are most important in rounding us out in our journey to becoming adults and preparing us for that world. I thought sports was one of the most impactful things as well in my development. And, um, and I thought, you know, I, I know I had a lot of coaches that through that volunteer work helped shape me in a positive way and, and other players. And, and so I think that it's important message. Kids need school. Kids need school to be done properly. And kids need extracurriculars yeah. in an extracurricular environment that is free of differences in the way that we treat people based on vaccine status. Exactly. Because on, on one hand, we're saying parents should be given the ultimate choice of whether their kids are vaccinated or not. Mm -hmm. Then on the other hand, we're saying, well, if you're not vaccinated, you can't access a hockey arena. Doesn't line up. It's confusing. What message are we sending? And what is the impact on the children? You know, yeah. you can play hockey. You can't play hockey because of, of choice. Yeah. Because of choice. This is something that we are advocating as physicians that we hope stops because it's just not in keeping with our characteristic Canadians. Yeah. And, and I'm so, going to make a, a personal story comment here for you, just so you guys know, cause I was, I was living it and going through it, but, uh, there's a large number of families that were in our um, trial process for hockey, and I'm not going to say who, where, when, but the reality is they were going through the trial process, and some of the coaches, and I warned them against it, you cannot make this offer and tie it to a situation that the family has to make a choice. And unfortunately, some families that I'm very aware of who were not planning to get vaccinated at this time or at that time when the time was you know, going around, they had zero intention of it, but because their kid wanted to play a certain level of hockey or a certain association or team or league, um, they went out and got vaccinated, you know, literally the next day and told their kid, hey, by the way, we're changing our opinions. You're getting vaccinated. Mom and dad won't be allowed in the arena. And it's like, what? So it was a very real thing. Um, and I was warning coaches like, Hey, we got to be careful of legals and things like that. Let's, let's not even go there. That's a family choice. Offer them the offer letter. If they play hockey, great. It's up to them to make that choice. So I know it from firsthand experience that it was very difficult on a lot of families. And, um, again, associations, like you said, those wonderful volunteers, conveners, directors, ambassadors were trying to do the best they could with the information they had at the time. So, yeah, there's no question that they've been doing their best to keep the most kids the most safe that they could. Yes. And it's incumbent upon us in the medical profession to put information in their hands that allows them to do that in a less confusing way moving forward. I think we're getting there. I think people are we're, starting we're to get more information. There. But the discussion we're having brings up one of the concerns that we have, which is... I'm not used to having a discussion about a medical intervention that is tied to the benefit of being able to participate in sports. Mm. It's just not a discussion we're used to having. And I don't think that doing things that way ultimately will lead to the best scenario for vaccine uptake, all vaccines long-term. Right. We need to discuss medical risks versus medical benefit and allow for an informed choice to be made. And that informed choice should be in no way, shape or form connected to your ability to participate in society and enjoy your rights as a Canadian. Yeah, so what you're saying is true choice, not coercion. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's a great word that a lot of us are not understanding or using is choice versus coercion. Um, it's a good way to bring it up, Dr. Rick. I appreciate that. So thinking of that, Rick, um, 
what are your thoughts on the vaccine mandates, uh, whether they're being coerced or not, the past, present, and what does it mean for our future, you know, if this stuff continues the way it is? Well, I, our position is, you know, we support the vaccine, but really, I, I think you can't paint the whole population with the same brush. Okay. So, so there's there's personal preferences and there's at-risk populations and not at-risk populations, and and some of these social mandates are carried out to the extreme. Like I, I have some of my patients, <clears throat> they're <clears throat> they have not seen their grandchildren in two years. Man, I, my parents live in Florida and they didn't come up for two years. They got up for a couple weeks and they said it just wasn't the same, so they went back home. <laughs> So, so that that that's that emotional attachment, that social yeah. development. What what happens? Like, the, it you it's a loss, mm. and it's it's or, or like uh, my my granddaughter that uh, that hasn't had a birthday party, you know, and and since as long as she can remember, because she's just turning four, and she's never had a birthday party. Now, how is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to my daughter. She has her own baking business and she's actually making a cake right now for somebody's birthday. I'm going to have to talk to her and get you hooked up. Well, perfect. Yeah. And, and uh, you, you know, got enough candles? <laughs> <laughs> what? What Oh, I was talking about your birthday. Yeah. I knew where no, Dennis I... was going, but I was talking about the four-year-old for sure. What's <laughs> birthday today? Oh, happy but, but, birthday, Rita. But we won't tell you how many candles she needs. No way. <laughs> 29, Rick, 29. That's, that's right, that's right. right. No, seriously. So that's what we have to do. You know, let's, you know, is COVID going to go away? That's the question. Probably no. not. <laughs> is COVID going to go away? The answer is no. Is flu going to go away? No. no. Is pneumonia going to go away? No. no. RSV going to go no. away? No. No. We have to live with it. We have to go on with our lives. Good point. Great and, point. The best way to answer your question about vaccine mandate is we, we believe that in medicine, mandated things have a role in certain circumstances. Don't think that this is one of them. Do you think that education and choice is how we built a robust vaccine program? And education and choice is how we will protect that robust vaccine nice. program. And education and choice is how we get the furthest on anything in this country, because that's how we do things in Canada. We need Excellent. to be educated and then we need to exercise our right to choose. And, and it's really important not to get a hard position when it comes to any side of the issue. Because as we pointed out, science changes. Mm -hmm. If we did this podcast a week from now, we might have a totally different slant. So we have to be fluid, okay? So you can't be, one day you can't say, hey, this is my position, I don't care what's happening, this is my position forever. That's that's not being open-minded. That's not being educated or open to science because science changes. You have to roll with the data in science. And I think for the purpose of moving forward, we there's something that's very important. Something could be an incorrect approach today, mm -hmm. but was not yesterday. Right. And we don't want to confuse the message that we need to pivot with we were wrong. That's not what we're saying. We are saying the new information we have justifies a different course of action. So, Dennis, are you and saying the old crow doctor's masks, those nose cones, they weren't appropriate? <laughs> they won't work anymore? Well, I'm not saying that. <laughs> we have to open mind, Patty. I guess so. If it was two meters long, maybe it'll help. <laughs> yeah. But, but the point Dr. Titus is making is that we have to be open to new information. When we get new information, if we change our course of action, it does not imply that the previous course was incorrect. Right. We are here now. Yep. And so we want to remain dynamic. And in saying that, we'll again reiterate 
We believe that the information we have today is telling us clearly that it's time to pivot for our kids on all mm -hmm. fronts. I'm going to throw a little sports reference in here because you and I have a very good friend who is very much a Steelers freak. And we're going to say that going after certain medical practices or vaccines or treatments or processes is much like you can't always hammer the ball three yards at a time. Once in a while, you got to throw a pass and pivot and change your game plan. Is that kind of what we're saying? Yes. And I think you're highlighting for a friend why the Steelers <laughs> suck. <laughs> well, he knows they're my number two team, not my number one. <laughs> That's it. But three yards in a cloud of dust might not do it every single week. Yep. And, and same thing, okay? What are we dealing with today? And what approach will we take to deal with yeah, that? Yeah, I appreciate that, Devo. Um, Rick, question for you, my friend, uh, and obviously you too, Dennis, is that, you know, sort of taking it back to the, the patient, you know, parent, patient, practitioner mentality. What do you, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough, but I, I'm curious. I want to know, I'm sure a lot of people want to know, how has this whole situation over the last two years impacted the patient physician relationship? Um, I'll start out by speaking to that. I think that one of the things that does concern us is that we at least as long as I've practiced, we've practiced something called patient-centered medicine, which is exactly what it sounds like. The patient is at the center of the discussion. And what we really mean by that is at the end of the visit, the choice will be the patient's in almost all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so underpinning our relationship with our patients is respect and respect for the autonomy of the patient. Nice. And so because we feel that some of the things that have occurred have eroded in some sense that autonomy and our ability to deliver care in an autonomous fashion to our patients, it does feel that something is between us and our patients right now. And we need to get that something out of the way if we're going to have a chance at healing on the backside of this pandemic. And so as physicians, I think really what we're advocating for, if not pleading to the general public for, is please restore the autonomy to the patient-physician relationship so that we can get back to having conversations that are about one thing and one thing only, what the patient wishes for. Excellent. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, patients are confused. What we're dealing with is CNN medicine. You know, everywhere you turn, you hear, you get medical advice. Your Uber <laughs> driver is giving you medical advice. At the end of the day, it's a personal decision, but you have to lead medicine to the doctors and, and have this discussion with your family doctor who you've known for years. Mm -hmm. Agree totally. Yeah, actually, I've, I've had my own doctor for many, many years and, uh, you know, I went and saw Dennis because I knew he had an opinion that put this, the patient first. And that was something we did last, uh, you last saw me summer. Because you had a rash. That you didn't <laughs> want to oh, that was a little tough. Uh. <laughs> you wanted those pills. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we're looking for certain. Further because of confidentiality <laughs> and your autonomy. Absolutely awesome. No personal medical data has been provided in this episode. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, guys, I mean, this is good stuff and there's probably a lot more. And I know we're going to have some future conversations and we're going to get you on some more podcasts as well, carry this on. But I'm actually curious, um, you know, if I could ask you for one or two nuggets each some parting thoughts that you really want to entrain and ingrain in our minds to impact our lives and help us to make better or more informed choices, what would those nuggets of info be? Well, if I could start. So I, I think ultimately it's, it's our choice moving forward. But more importantly, I have to stress that it, I, I plead that everyone has an open mind. So look at all the data, you know, discuss it with your physicians and then make the choice. And for for the policymakers, I think it's important we don't coerce anyone. Nice. Let's choice be choice. Yeah. 
I certainly echo those those statements. Choice is the number one thing that we're here to talk about, and it goes hand in hand with patient autonomy. And it will, we're speaking to policymakers. Please take steps to restore the autonomy of the patient-physician relationship and put choice back into the middle of that discussion. And the last parting comment that I'll make is please allow our kids to return to normal as soon as possible. And we advocate for immediately because we believe the evidence supports our ability to do so safely. Let our kids be kids and let it happen right away. And I officially proclaim that all birthday parties can go forward. <laughs> That's how it should be, right? <laughs> Even if you're a little older. <laughs> um, that is a great closing message. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, absolutely. And and we all know, Dennis, you said kids can have be normal um, because you clearly didn't want to say me because we all know that I'm not normal. And that's okay because you respect it. <laughs> that's right. And I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to call it something that we talked about earlier, something we just referenced right now. But as Canadians, I think we all have to agree, whether you agree or disagree with certain choices or opinions or anything that's been said in this conversation that we've had, we must at least agree with the freedom of choice and the right to make it and respect each other for our own unique values. That is what makes Canada great. And that's what's going to help our kids get back to being free or normal, unlike your host, Patrick McGuire. Uh, (laughs) That's a a good message. We definitely stand behind the freedom to express your opinion peacefully. And so we hope to see more of that in this country because I think it's what makes Canada great. Excellent. Uh, So Dr. Dennis, Dr. Titus, I'm going back to the pro version, not Rick and Devo. Um, Thank you very much, guys, for sharing this information. I'm absolutely grateful to be able to spend time with you both to become more informed myself. I learn every time I listen and work with you guys and talk to you guys as personal or professional. And um, thanks for helping us understand a little more about everything that's going on and gain a better understanding of medical evidence and the way it's compiled, the way it's shared, the way it's understood, so that we can make more informed decisions about our health and the freedoms as Canadians and the health of our kids, of course. I've always respected the rights of everyone to make your own informed decisions and support them. I mean, I do support them, regardless of my own opinions. We're not all going to agree with each other. And I know this session has certainly helped me. So again, really, really big thank you to both of you. No problem. Just don't forget to send us your health card. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, Besides the news, the media clips and the informed, challenging questions that you guys have been posing out there, some of them hitting the media, how do people find or contact you guys, uh, LinkedIn, email, or they have to become your patients? (laughs) Yes, the best way to yeah, the best way to contact us is by going to banty.com/covid and um, and providing us with your contact information and it lets you leave us a message as well. And on that page you will see that on Wednesday, February 2nd, we will be doing another presentation about let kids be kids nice. again led by Martha Fulford, who we're just blessed to have on with us. And we will be delivering that presentation to a great group of folks from out West called Families for Choice, um, who are behind the same type of messages that we are, particularly when it comes to our kids. Excellent. And so that is on February 2nd, but the banty.com slash COVID will allow you to get in touch with us and send us a message and we'd love to hear from you. And I'll make sure that that's in the show notes for anyone that's getting it. Of course, in the live stream, it'll show up in the after notes. This link will be made available to anyone via LinkedIn live stream, as well as on other platforms and social media. Um, Just closing off here, guys. I mean, as your host, I got to say thank you. And to everybody that's on this session, I want to say thanks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Please like, love, and share it with others. It helps the algorithms. Thank you. And if you have an empowered story or you know someone that has an empowered story that they should share, please message me on LinkedIn or visit empoweredpodcast.ca and nominate them and tell that story. Let's have a little fun. 
Again, I'm Patrick McGuire, your host with Empowered Podcast, the weekly show where I have empowered conversations with great people doing great things to help others. Thank you for joining us today with this very, very timely and informative session. Thank you, doctors. Have an empowered day and be empowered, my friends. Same to you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. We'll chat soon. Hey, sports fans, players, parents, coaches. There's only one thing to be said about youth amateur sports. That is, love your sports experience. RosterLogix is a sports management registration and payments platform developed by coaches and parents to increase trust, transparency, communications, and compliance so you can focus on what matters most and love your sports experience. If you want a better sports experience, check out rosterlogics.com with an X. That's R-O-S-T-E-R-L-O-G-I-X.com. Rosterlogics.com for a better sports experience. NFTs are hot. What's more exciting is where NFTs are going and what else they can do. NFTs don't have to be simple little JPEGs or digital images. Utility, my friends, that is the next big thing for NFTs and crypto. Meaning, what can you do with NFTs? What will they unlock for you? And what will they give you access to? Well, NFX company, the non-fungible experience company, is changing that. They are the future of NFTs by including experiences and collectibles for the NFX community. Discover the future of NFTs at nfxco.com. That's nfxco.com. Empowered. A Blue Mex podcast is hosted by Patrick McGuire and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. Empowered podcast may be compensated by sponsors, products, or services in this show. For more empowered content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.